You're listening to The Coffee Podcast, where our focus is people and our language is coffee. I'm Weston Peterson. And I'm Jesse Hartman. West brings the quality. And Jesse brings a cafe. Today's coffee talk, the big picture and world coffee research. So we've mentioned this before on the podcast, uh, but it's one of those things you can't bring up too much. And it's the fact that when it comes to the cafe, it just seems we think a little small. Um, we don't think uh, outside of maybe, you know, what kind of apron should we buy or um, which roaster should we carry or those sorts of sorts of decisions. Well, I can't speak. Sure. And uh, instead, so, so basically, you know, the focus can be that instead of, you know, the focus that could be, which is like, hey, as part of the coffee industry, what is my part in seeing the big picture of coffee? So essentially, um, we need to stretch our vision Wide screen. Wide screen. Remember when they used to make movies and yeah. then like it was like a big deal to have it widescreen? But then when you brought it home to your square TV, it like had those black lines. Yeah, and it was just like why I'm why it would looks I... smaller. It's like why would I want widescreen? Full screen all the way. <laughs> but in this case, widescreen is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh more so, perspective. So who sure. who are we putting on the spotlight right now, Wes? Who is it? We're gonna be talking about uh, the World Coffee Research Organization. Shortened WCR. WCR, World Coffee Research. Um, they're doing great things. Uh, essentially, if you guys haven't heard about them, it's due time to figure out what they're doing in the coffee industry. Uh, they're huge. They're actually based out of College Station. They are part out of Texas. Represent Texas, A and M, College Station. Uh, they've got a okay. yeah. They've got this uh, coffee branch there. Established and in 2012. So we're going to unravel um, basically what they've done in the last year based on their annual report. But just the nitty gritty, um, as defined uh, by themselves, they are a nonprofit or- organization that formed in 2012. And that was specifically around the threats that there were to coffee, uh, such as climate change. Okay. And you want to go ahead and quote their mission. These are things that they've provided to us. Um, through the annual report. So the their mission... Oh, uh, yeah, let's start with the mission. So their mission is, as quoted, uh, to grow, protect, and enhance supplies of quality coffee while improving the livelihoods of the families who produce it. So these people, this group, this organization, is what we would like to say. Uh, they're doing something that is people-focused coffee research. Sure. Um, in that... In the last part of that uh, mission statement, they say it's for the sake of improving the livelihoods of the families who produce it, referring to coffee. Right. Um, Essentially, this is a large effort um, in improving sustainability in the coffee lands. Right. And it, and it brings us full circle to the question that we brought up before. You know, is coffee profitable and or sustainable? Um, and something I want to bring to light really quickly is... If farmers don't see that coffee is profitable, they'll switch their crop. And we've actually talked about this right. on the uh, so few episodes. So whether or not it's true, whether it, it really more so depends on whether or not they see that it's true. On the other side of the coin, if it's not profitable, 
and these farmers stick to coffee, they risk a devastating reality. Well, sure. I mean, if coffee is your livelihood, which, you know, a lot of the times they, they as in the you know, farmers, are producing uh, different types of commodities alongside coffee. Sure. Um, they'll be producing coffee, sure, as a large crop, but then they'll also have alongside it bananas, uh, you know, peanuts, and other types and other sources of income. Uh, it's very rare to see a farmer that is completely dependent on coffee. Definitely. And what the World Coffee Research uh, Organization has done is they've taken that part of their mission statement, uh, the growing, the protecting, and the enhancing of supplies of quality coffee, which addresses the real issue, improving the livelihoods of the families who produce it. So it's sure. twofold. You're getting... Their mission is to bring a better quality. That's exactly right. More of that better quality and quality. increase the... Um, well, we've talked about this. When you increase the quality, you increase uh, the margin that you can sell that coffee for. Definitely, which should... Improve. Represent itself at the farm. And essentially cover cost of production is what we want. We would hope for. Definitely. Covering that cost of production. And so what I want to step forward and say is, you know, Wes and I, we believe in this kind of mission statement. Absolutely. This is very down the line of, hey, this is what we see. Like, we're people-focused coffee talk, right? Absolutely. So we're all about people-focused coffee research. Um, and even beyond that, they have a vision. You want to go ahead and quote that? Uh, they want to create a toolbox of coffee varieties. These genetic resources uh, that accompany technology that will be able to... Uh, strategically collaborate with countries to help alleviate constraints in the supply chain of high-quality coffee. Essentially, uh, get rid of rust. Get rid of uh, these disease-stricken varietals uh, and create these disease-rust-resistant plants that still produce a high-quality cup of coffee. That's been the biggest right. thing, as we can see in, in El Salvador and Colombia, is actually getting a hybrid cup of coffee that will taste good. Right. And Something that is disease resistant that cups well. Absolutely. And that's, and that's what part of their vision is to, um, you know, experiment in the lab and create these varietals that will be resistant to disease and... Still retain that quality. Exactly, right. Right. And we're going to provide these quotes uh, on the podcast link. But the way I kind of digested it was simply put, they focus on using coffee research in sync with other people in the industry to reduce friction in the chain of quality coffee. So they're basically saying, hey, let's reduce the limitations we have in producing this coffee from every angle and let's make this chain a lot stronger. You know, and I would even say not every angle. I think specifically world coffee research, their angle and their vision is directly uh, their focus is on the coffee lands, right at the start of the coffee chain. What? But when sure. when they focus on that beginning, uh, in creating um, alleviation of uh, you know poverty stricken plants by creating these varietals that will be able to maintain uh, in these tough conditions, that will help along the line of the supply chain. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's like lubing up the machine. Absolutely. It's like greasing it up, making sure that the rest of the supply chain can run well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let, let's jump into this annual report that they released. That's right. Um, it's basically a highlight reel um, from January to December of 2015. Um, 
And I think it's also important to, to say that they believe the quality and supply are contingent on the producers, like Wes just said. That's so right. it means a focus on getting farmers real data, more durable and quality plants, and a plan for the future climate or a plan for the future XYZ, like what might come, that those things can be handled. So uh, here's a, a little nugget of information of this type of education going on in the coffee lands right now. Uh, you know, through these different types of climate changes, it will actually um, change the areas of growth in which high altitude Arabica coffees can be grown. I mean, it will actually change the structure of where and how these coffees can be grown. Right. So and so, I, I mean, you can you can say even with that information, if a farmer has that information, it's the data. Yeah, right there. that's the real data, and they're yeah. able to say, well. Hey, in in twenty fifty or twenty forty or twenty fifty, I'm not going to be in an area in anymore zone. that makes coffee. So I need to know when to switch my crop. Sure. So this isn't just about taking care of those farmers to make coffee, but so that they know, hey, this like, is a future. It's not going to work for you. Yeah, like yeah. giving them the ability to predictive farm. Or I'm sure that's not a term, but that sort of thing. So let's um, let's just jump through a few of the things that um, the World Coffee Research has has done this past year as uh, shown in their annual report. I think the one that specialty coffee knows most about is the lexicon. Yes, the World Coffee Research Sensory Lexicon, first of its kind, um, produced this amazingly detailed report on the different sensory uh, analysis and, and tastes and, and aromatics that you find in coffee. They even go into defects and like taints as well. Um, and I guess it's essentially to get everyone on the same page. I mean, that's what the Q-Gator course is for. Yeah. You know, trying to get everyone who's tasting coffee to be able to make sure that you're tasting what someone else is tasting. They're, they took that model and tried to actually put it into practice. And it's like, this is what blueberry should taste like. Take a, a Smucker's can of uh, preserved blueberries, right. put it into a cup, you know, and then and smell it. And that smell that you get from this product is the smell or the uh, sensory um, trigger that you should get in the coffee as well. So it's kind of like a it's a it's it's different in a way because it's not just a taster flavors wheel, which could be subjective. Wait, I I would say it probably is subjective. I mean, I could look at a flavors wet a flavor wheel and say, oh, I'm getting uh, you know these three things, and someone else could be getting something completely different, right. and we couldn't agree on the same thing. That lexicon is making sure or trying to take steps to ensure that we all agree on a certain flavor, right? And a so, certain sensory. and so they basically scienced the heck out of yeah. the flavor wheel, which yeah, yeah. the SCAA has now adopted. And if if I'm correct. By purchasing one of these wheels uh, on a poster that they sell, you're actually going to be contributing to the World WCR. Coffee Research Absolutely. Uh, organization. So yeah. this is really cool stuff. I mean, there are actual scientists that are called sensory scientists that are involved in these processes. And so, It's yeah. amazing the amount it, of like yeah. science now that's going into I, coffee, and it's actually changing right. the coffee industry. So with that said, let's bring a little bit of the podcast culture into this. We don't want you to be the barista or the homebrewer who is stuck behind in the times thinking coffee is a certain way when science says it's something else. So, like, like that, that's why we talk about these things. Yeah. We don't want you to get caught up in, in hearsay 
things about coffee. Coffee myths. And so like this sensory, the Lexicon itself is like a huge improvement. In the and way it was released last year. Last year. So we, yeah. Beyond, it's like things are moving. We times cannot are changing. understate. Yeah. yeah. We, <laughs> overstate. Get on board. Get on board. <laughs> I was glad. Um, so another thing I kind of wanted to bring to light that we read in the report, uh, just to highlight the kind of organization uh, that the World Coffee Research Organization is, was to talk about their African Coffee Renaissance Initiative. Um, so I want you to think about this. You know, coffee, coffee production in Africa uh, was drastically low because it was not profitable. Okay. What so, did this do? Well, with coffee not being profitable. So yeah, like we talked about before, uh, farmers were pulling out of coffee, and so if if you really kind of start to think about what does that mean, like Africa, uh, African farmers pulling out of coffee, like that's a big deal to we're, consumers. What about all the Ethiopian naturals? Yeah, bro? what about our Ethiopian naturals? <laughs> like what? But even more so, like the fact that coffee could be profitable, but these farmers are pulling out because it's not. It's a sad thing, and instead of just letting it happen. The World uh, Coffee Research Organization stepped in. They put boots on the ground. They put their boots on the ground. And so here's basically what they did. They took this opportunity to pursue establishing systems of collaboration to overcome the obstacle of coffee not being profitable. Sure. Um, So what they've done is they've uh, allowed or they've made a way that roasters, exporters, and others in the industry can basically take on particular costs on the farm level. And the way it sounds to me, and I'm not totally sure, but it kind of sounds like, uh, Wes, you were saying um, some investments. This is exactly the type of model that I definitely want to start investing a lot of my thought and effort into, which would be private sector investment in the actual coffee lands uh, to the actual farmers and producers, um, we've talked about how the vicious cycle of um, a low harvest results in non-profit or cost of production not being met, which leaves farmers in debt, which then go to co-ops, and these co-ops aren't wanting to pay or invest. These co-ops are not wanting to invest in their own farmers right? so that the farmers can get back on their feet. So the co-ops don't invest. The yeah, farmers are in debt. What do they do? They well, try again. They try again next year. Hopefully right. this year's harvest is going to be better. They get stuck in the cycle of not being able to produce enough and not making enough so that they won't be able to get invested in. And it's how do you get out of that? Yeah. I think uh, what the World Coffee Research is doing with this opportunity of collaboration between roasters, exporters, and other people along the uh, supply chain actually eating the cost of this risk it's a, it's a cost of risk when you're doing agriculture commodities for sure because you know the weather and uh the market the futures and everything it, it's it's everything's going against you essentially any, yeah any investment and especially for the small holder farmer who really doesn't have deep pockets to begin with when you go to these roasters who are making 2.5 million dollars a year and just selling these you know smallholders coffee you know it's at this point it's like we've got to find a way to take the margins on the end of the supply chain, the roasters, the cafes, the uh, cool brewers and whatnot, and moving that into the beginning of the chain. And I think that's where this private sector investment is going to be 
super critical in years to come, if not uh, very critical. Very critical. Yeah, and, and I would... So with this uh, African Coffee Renaissance initiative, the WCR is sending specialists or has specialists on site in Africa teaching local farmers with the right tools and data about agriculture and finances. So right. at the core of what is revolutionizing or hopefully will revolutionize these African farms is education. Is Well, education on, on two things, which I think is very awesome that they highlighted. Education on the agriculture, for one, like right. the actual growing, uh, the harvesting, the quality side, right? right. Quality. Yep. And then they also mention finances. Well, what do they mean by finances? They're actually down teaching the farmers when to price fix on the futures market. Well, How yeah. awesome is that? Yeah, you would They're know- teaching these guys like when to sell their coffee on the market strategically so that they can make the most money per pound for their quality coffee. Right. You, you would mean, definitely know more about that than me. Well, it's like, what? If you get good quality coffee, but you'd sell it too cheap, Right. you're kind of just you know, you're, you're withholding yourself from that extra profit. Right. So and, t- yeah, yeah. And this research is the kind of research that leads to more research if executed well. You know what I'm saying? Like, if this, if this works out... Um, the- I think this could be a blueprint for um, many roasters in the business today to start taking upon themselves this responsibility right. of... Well, this is bigger than directly direct trade. investing yeah. into a farmer. This is bigger than direct trade. Yeah, this is bigger Absolutely. than direct trade. Absolutely, this is going straight to the heart of the problem, which is uh, the profitability of growing coffee. And if it is not profitable, then essentially, it's not sustainable. Oh, yeah, I, I, yeah. If it, mean, it goes both ways, if it's not if sustainable, it's not, it's not sustainable. profitable. Yeah, exactly. So you've <laughs> got to profits. be able to. We've got to be doing Freaky more, chair. and I think I think it, we're in a part. You know, it, we have an excellent coffee culture where we're always pushing, we're always pushing better quality, we're well, pushing better brewing devices, we're pushing better uh, hospitality. Yeah, and, and in the report they say that the specialty coffee sector is the fastest growing sector in the coffee in industry. The coffee industry. We maybe this is too far fetched, but it feels like we're driving the industry. I mean, oh, yes. going back to who did JBA buy, yep. right? Like, we're looking at all these things, guys. We are a part of this conversation. We are Absolutely. part of this industry, uh, even if you homebrew. Absolutely. You're a part of this industry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so talking about these things is so important. And back to it, I know we're just, we keep beating on it, but WCR is doing this stuff on the ground, boots on the ground. That's right. Like, it's incredibly legitimate. So... Um, another highlight, it's pretty cool. I'm all about El Salvador. So a farm in El Salvador was donated to the WCR and the plan is to essentially make that their Central American headquarters. Yes. Which is super cool. Absolutely. Um, because El Sal- they're going to be working directly with a lot of El Salvador producers. And, and what's in El Salvador? Coffee rust. Dude, huge. It's huge. just wiped out their last four or five years of harvest. Right. They still haven't been able to get back on their feet. And that's the thing. WCR is in there, like, with a headquarters now, can literally oh, yeah. turn that, that coffee economy around. Well, and what we even talked about this up earlier in the episode. I mean, they're trying to produce this toolbox of varieties that will be rust-resistant. Right. And guess what? 
their headquarters are right there in El Salvador. That's extremely That's a exciting. perfect testing ground and like way to start increasing uh, the profitability of El Salvador coffee. Yeah. The farmers and the lives and, and all that. That's cool. And I can't That's help awesome. I can't help but just be incredibly encouraged because we talked about El Salvador months ago. Sure. In in how we were like, man, it's rough over there right now. And then yeah. you hear about this, like these guys these okay, these are the guys that are gonna be changing the industry. Right. Like no doubt. Well, this, well, this is like this is movement in the industry. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, th- you you can see this. This isn't just report. words. Yeah. So they are also doing these. Uh, ver- excuse me if I'm not scientifically correct here, but variety experiments uh, that they're calling trials, um, and basically it's leading to the expansion of available uh, a, a, an available quality of varieties for coffee. Uh, in 19 different countries. So they're expanding this potential for coffee growth of different types or different varieties of coffee. But my science is not good enough for me to talk too much about that. <laughs> is, this, so, is this like an a, a intelligence program that will allow uh, co- like higher quality coffees to be grown at like different elevations or you know honestly different like zones tropic zones i know when to say i don't know okay and i don't i'm not too sure from what i was reading and you i I think this is public information so we we can link to it um but you can read more about it i don't want to i don't want to maul it up um but you said there was there was uh establishing something about a core collection that you oh that's right it's the uh, uh the genetic diversity between coffee breeders all right. It looks like they're establishing this group of a hundred diverse Arabica coffees from their Katy germplasm, and I guess this Katy germplasm might be one of their uh, disease-resistant, uh, high cup quality uh, coffees. So wow, it looks like they're taking this Katy germplasm. And they're able to create this core collection of a hundred uh, diverse Arabica plants, almost like the you know the SL twenty eight, Katura, Bourbon, right? Um, you know those different types of actual uh, varieties. It looks like they're making a list of varieties, so it's like you don't just have one disease resistant plant that always cups the same, right? They're making this germplasm like this new kind of like resistant to rust and disease plant as like this this uh foundation and then they're increasing it to have more diversity so you might have something that's more fruity and that would do well in ethiopia yeah maybe and you might have something that would do better in colombia and something that would do better in uh, indonesia depending on the climates and all that so that's cool it looks so it yeah, looks like that's... they're changing the actual face of, of coffee as well they're yeah they're very involved in a lot of the senses of of how uh, and, and I mean, listen, they started this in 2012. Yeah, they make a lot of crap. And it's not even in, like, not even four years later, they're leaving a footprint in the coffee industry. And not a, not a, uh, not a bad footprint. Absolutely. So there's also this variety intelligence program, which. We just talked about. Oh, okay. So, oh, that is what we just yes. talked about. See, like, it's so out of my league that I'm just talking about it again. <laughs> But I think something I did highlight in, in my own notes here was um, these 
sort of things are providing education um, for farmers. And in this case, there's things like nursery nursery expert inspired manuals on coffee growth. So like huh. this isn't just anybody teaching people about coffee. These are experts right. who are giving manuals, um, I assume in their own language to farmers, right? Sure. And I'm not totally sure on that, but it's that sort of idea that we're, the information is being passed on um, from and, experts and this to is, teach. Uh, like nursery expert inspired manuals on coffee growth, I would assume would be, uh, you know, in the starting stages when coffee germinates and it's sitting out under these tarps and straight up like little plant bowls. And they wait for them to get about a year, two years old, and then they go out and plant them in the field. Um, this might be like an actual expert-inspired manual that will help in these very beginning stages of coffee growth to ensure that it's going to have like high-yield, high-quality coffee yeah, put it's, in the ground. It's, um, you know, from my perspective, like the way I work in the cafe, like I really want education to be in the forefront. And to me, this just hits the right chord because I'm just like, man, education on the ground at the farm level is so important. And I think it's been kind of neglected. Like we just expect this high quality coffee sure. from farmers without ever saying like, like how to get it, how to get it or, right. or how to increase that quality in a way that is helpful to everybody in the chain. Well, and that is profitable because they know how to, I mean, to create a higher quality cup of coffee or a high quality green bean, it definitely is going to increase the amount of cost production oh, yeah. going into it. Right. And unless they are educated on the finance side, which is what the WCR is doing as well, alongside right. with quality, uh, they're not going to be able to actually see any profit coming from their efforts uh, in creating this higher quality uh, green bean, which is why I absolutely love the World Coffee Research Organization. They are. Uh, it I sounds mean, like we're like, <laughs> like we're uh, we're like mid commercial or something. Yeah. Speaking like of, test, I love the test, WCR. Testimonies. But I mean, this is like almost everything that we've been talking about in the Coffee Lands, right? Uh, the Coffee Podcast. You know, where our focus is people, uh, and our language is coffee. It's right. Like people focused coffee talk. Well, this is people focused coffee research. Right. And it's just, it. it I absolutely love the effort and the education that they're doing on the critical side of the supply chain, which would be the coffee lands. Right. And so, you know, the final point here is that the coffee industry is not simply forever. It needs to be sustained. And the WCR is doing just that through people-focused coffee research. Yes. Um, and it's just... Well, let's jump into the questions. And these are just very basic questions. We don't always answer these questions. It's more for food for thought hmm. or thought for food. I forget which way it is. Food for thought works for me. <laughs> uh, so question number one, why should any of this matter to you? To me? To the listener, to you, to, to us. Everyone. Why should it to matter? Us. You know, uh, why should uh, education on the farm level matter to you? I mean, I mean, from my point of view, I think we've covered a lot of just the fact of uh, sustainability and creating this higher quality 
coffee comes at a cost, um, which is definitely seen to affect more on the on the farm side, the grower side, uh, and if it's affecting the farmer in a in a way that cripples their uh, living, and they actually have to pull out a coffee, um, that's just that's just bad news for the coffee industry as a whole. That affects everyone in the industry. Right. Uh, so I, I mean, I think it's important to to actually to know this information. It's important. Uh, it's a lot harder to put it in application, which is why I'm going to say it again. I love world coffee research. Right. Because these are, I mean, they're putting it into action. So right now, question number two: What does it mean if coffee is not sustainable? Um, quite simply, if coffee is not sustain sustainable, it's gonna the coffee run industry so is going to run to its end. Or we're going to see a lot more slave labor in, in coffee land issues. Well, yeah. Well, who knows what dark turns it will take, but if it's not sustainable, you know. Yeah. I mean, I the mean, demand for coffee is probably going to be There's there, always but... going to be Robusta. <laughs> I just love the sound of that. <laughs> you guys want to be drinking Robusta in a few years? All right. I fi- sure don't. Final question. <laughs> what can you do to take part in sustainability? Well, one thing we mentioned is you can purchase that poster uh world coffee research and uh we're also we're going to post some links uh, attached to the podcast that you can follow and figure out how can you be a part of um contributing (laughs) contributing (laughs) to this uh to this awesome uh cause in this organization that we've been talking about the wcr you're listening to the coffee podcast where our focus is people and our language is coffee happy brewing